you know, and it's just like, I did all that shit for me. And it's not like I don't need people in my life. It's like, let's acknowledge the strength and the power where it comes from. And that is ultimately you, especially if you're an artist, right? Especially if you're in, look, this is obviously coming from a perspective of an artist to take it with a grain of salt, but you're this vulnerable creature. And this is the thing about artists that I just, I still, I'm an artist and I don't understand it. Like you're this vulnerable creature and you look at the space, the space of nothingness, and then you create something. That's magic to me. Like there was nothing and then there was a song. There was nothing, and then there was a film. There was nothing, and then there was a piece of of visual art. It's like, what? Do you understand that that didn't exist beforehand? And that the fact that that thing got created is pure magic. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the I Should Have Learned The Sooner podcast. I'm your host, Tim Winfred. Together, let's take a dive into amazing stories of personal growth as my guests share their answer to the question, what is something you know now that you wish you had learned sooner? From overcoming imposter syndrome, investing, money lessons, and more, join me and my guests as they share their stories of challenges they faced head-on and how they came out on top. Today's episode is Tom Goss, a friend of mine and an artist in Los Angeles, a musician. I wanted to bring Tom Goss on because he is a different type of guest than I've had this season. Everybody that I've had is sort of in the financial and real estate world, and Tom is not. He's an artist, a content creator, and he manages his own business traveling the world, traveling the United States, releasing music, touring, videos, editing, everything you can think of that ties into a content creator in this modern world. And he's been doing it for over a decade and a half. So Tom has a lot of beautiful insights in this conversation. And I am so excited for you to hear it because we break down a lot of, a lot of, ideas related to what actually makes people happy. It's not really money, right? Money does provide a sense of security, and it gives a lot of opportunities. But at the end of the day, something as simple as skipping can make you happy. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode with Tom. Here we go. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Tim. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been a while since we've actually had the opportunity to see each other in person. So this is very nice to have this chance to catch up. Yeah, but I feel like I see you every single day on (laughs) social media. And it's just been so wonderful to watch your journey. So I'm happy to be connecting with you. Thank you. Thank you. And I always love following your story and checking out your lives and all your traveling. Like whenever I messaged you recently, I was like, where in the world is Tom San Diego? And you said, you're home, which (laughs) has got to be nice. (laughs) So where are you? Are you in Colorado now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the, the just north of Denver. 
Okay, I should send you this. I'm constantly on this Instagram page. I think it's called This Old House. I don't know the exact same one, but they just have like crazy old cheap houses everywhere. And I don't know how I've never sent you one, but I have to start <laughs> sending you these things because they are just mind-blowingly great. I feel like it's similar post to what I see from you sometimes. For sure, for sure. Well, before we get too far in, for anybody who's unfamiliar with you, can you give a little rundown of who you are? Yeah, sure. My name's Tom Goss. I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I write music. I make records. Sometimes I act in things. Sometimes I do other things. I don't know. I make a lot of music videos, which people really like. So my first record came out in 2006. So it's been 17 years. So if you don't know who I am, then you've really missed some great opportunities. (laughs) Well, they have the opportunity now to check it out. That's right. You got a catalog for people to go through now. Exactly. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm in the process of I have a new album coming out in a month. I'm in the process of writing new bios and stuff. And it's just like every time you're like ninth record, ninth record of like, oh <laughs> it's so funny. It's awesome. I mean, to quote one of your songs, you're living your best life. that's that's absolutely right yeah that for people who are unfamiliar one of tom's songs is called best life and it Mm -hmm. is it's one that i play regularly and i think about it and i sing it regularly so you're in my head more often than you realize (laughs) did i ever send you the demo for that we actually wrote it for another artist and he did a version of it and it's very sad (laughs) that's unfortunate very melancholic And then I was like, and then they never released it. And like a couple of years later, I was like, whatever happened to that song? That song was dope. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to release it. He was like, okay. I'm so yeah. totally changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's that and uh, Endless Summer with the uh, oh, Undercover Summer. Undercover. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking of Miley Cyrus's <laughs> album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Undercover Summer with Devin, right? Devin Green. Yeah. Devin's amazing. I love Devin so much. Yeah. Those two songs have been my, my bop since they've come out. So <laughs> those are pops. Those are fun tracks. For sure. So I want to jump right in. We do have an hour and I'd love to okay. hear your story and dig into the questions. So for anybody who is new to the show, the podcast is broken into three primary questions. And the first one is, what is something you know now that you wish you had learned sooner? You know, I think it's something that I still don't quite know. <laughs> I think, you know, it's something that I'm constantly trying to learn. And that I don't have to please everybody and I don't have to take care of everybody. I don't have to be a peacemaker. I don't have to make everybody comfortable all the time. I don't have to put myself on the back burner in order to meet other people's needs. And I think that I've spent way too much of my life doing that. And as a result, spent way too much of my life feeling undervalued, which is frankly what I'm doing to myself when I do that. So. I think for me, it would be like, meet your needs first, make sure that you're comfortable before you go out of your way to meet everybody else's needs. Yeah, definitely. It's feel like we all, as we age, we slowly start to figure out, like, once we start to make ourselves happy, people around us are happy as well. Mm, I like that. Yeah, because it's really all anybody wants, right? The one you make yourself happy and the people around you that aren't happy, those are the people you're like, oh. Maybe they don't need to be around me anymore. (laughs) Exactly. It's so true. Like the people who are around you whenever you're just there to please other people are the people who are just taking from you. You know, they're not there to cheer you on and they're not there to lift you up. It's like they're there because you're making them feel good. Yeah. 
Exactly. And then some people come in and out of your life for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to occasionally usher people out of your life. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. has this manifested for you as an artist? Has it impacted you over the years and in, in what you decide to release yeah. or not release? I think this new record, you know, this new record comes out July 7th. It's called Remember What It Feels Like. I'm really excited about it. It's just so, it feels really fun and empowered. It feels like, it's called Remember What It Feels Like, a little bit of everything. But without sadness, without resentment, without anger, with just like, life is what it is. And I am, in this moment, is captured in this song, right? Every time you write a song and you finish the song, you could go back to it a month later or a year later or, or a day later and you're not the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Like for me, when I write, I was in this session yesterday with this new girl that I had never written with before and she was very anxious. And I'm also like, <laughs> I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm writing, when I'm in my power in that, like I'm a, I've written a lot. I, I'm really good at it. I know what I'm doing. I tend to just often take the lead and in situations where I'm comfortable it's easy for me to take the lead when you're you know in a writing session and nobody's kind of taking the lead to kind of like me and at one point in time it was just like steamrolling this song and I kind of you know I'm always stopping I'm like hey what does everybody think you know I'm trying to get input I'm like hey I don't want to steamroll the song but if we don't capture this moment then we don't capture the moment you know what I mean like this song is about this moment and that's it and with the other lady I was working with she was like no, I've worked with you before. I know what's up. We're doing this. <laughs> you know, I'm not a person that's going to go into a songwriting session for an hour and come out with one verse. We're going to get that song. We're going to capture that song. And we can go back to it later and tweak it. But the moment isn't captured. The moment isn't captured. So I guess I would say that the moment that I'm in always reflects in my art because that is all we have. We don't have the past. We don't have the future. All we have is the present. And my job as an artist is to really tap into the moment, the present, the now, and what that feels like, and translate that into art. It's so beautiful because a lot of life as I've grown, and I'm sure as you've grown as well, and you've evolved, and especially going back and hearing you know, your decade and a half of music, mm-hmm. you're in a certain mind state, mindset in a given moment. And that can change minute to minute. You could be hungry and feel a certain way. You could have had too much coffee and feel a certain way. (laughs) Yeah. And then you go out an hour later or something and you're feeling great or whatever it might be. So to capture that and to really like turn it into something, it's so beautiful because you're able to later hear that. For me, it's like writing and these podcasts and going back to old episodes. I'm like, it's so funny how that person that you were at that time is not something I regret in a lot of situations, but it's like, that is a moment in time that is gone. And I don't know, it feels so like speaking with you in particular with the art piece of it. It's like art is so subjective and there's so much to it and it can be perceived in so many different ways by different people. So I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say, except for the fact that like we all live in the moment. 
I think I understand what you're saying. And I think, first of all, once you finish the art, like the perception of the art is the art then, right? It ceases to be whatever it is. And even your perception of who you were at the time has changed what the song is, right? So the perception is, I mean, perception is all we have humans anyway. Even our memories are are fallible, right? (laughs) Nothing that we have is real. And I think what you're saying is interesting because when you're reflecting on the things that you're creating and you know i don't know how long have i known you seven years probably now like the evolution i've seen in you has been so profound in so many different areas of your life and i think the great part about evolving as humans is looking back at your former selves and saying like oh wow they really didn't have it together (laughs) the way that i have it together now but they were also doing their best you know right like i'm proud of that person I'm proud of the person a year ago. I'm proud of the person five years ago. I'm proud of the person 10 years ago. Even if now, you know, like, oh, shit, you were totally fucked. Like, you, because you know the ending, hindsight's 2020. But yeah, it's really interesting. And and I feel really grateful to be living a life and to be having a career that's constantly self-reflective. And I come from the Midwest and I come from a very emotionally stunted lineage which i think all of us do in the midwest and i feel really grateful to not be that and i'm not that because this is the profession that i've chosen and this is the process that i've chosen and i think it's a really beautiful thing to constantly be reflecting and to constantly be growing oh yeah you know there's a lot that i know now to sort of take the idea of what's something i know now that i wish i learned sooner there's a lot that i know now that younger me wouldn't have heard like you have to go through that and you have to iterate and evolve and go through those steps even if they are painful and you do f yourself somewhere along the way because that version of you from five years ago who now reflects and goes wow i wish i had known that then maybe you wouldn't have even heard it or like heard it in the same way that you hear it now there's definitely times when when you know, you're absolutely right. When I come to that conclusion and then you hear the person that said it 10 years ago and you're like, <laughs> that's what they meant. Yeah, Have the perspective, right? And you don't have the set of experiences that leads you to that conclusion. But that's what life is. And you have to come to it on your own terms. You know, I was I was in this writing session yesterday again and it was all, it was all these queer artists and, and we were just kind of sharing our stories and sharing our perspectives. And I was listening to what they were saying, and I was like, whoa, these people are young. <laughs> That's what yeah. I thought. <laughs> and it was no, like no judgment to it. Right. But yes, I thought like that 15 years ago. Yes, I agree with you 15 years ago. And now I have another 15 years of experience in this community that leads me to another conclusion and I can say like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. And with another 15 years, this is just <laughs> I've come to it from that. And they can say, oh, that's cool. I agree with you. Or, oh, that's interesting. Or, wow, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You're right. old. You know what I mean? It's like, we could do whatever we want to with the information. But life is wonderful and interesting. And as long as you don't spend too much time being judgmental, both outwardly or inwardly, you know, it's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah. And there's a lot to like young people. I mean, I still consider myself relatively young. How old are you? (laughs) I'm 33. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm not like, you know, on my deathbed, hopefully anytime soon, but I'm also, you know, not 
in the generation that says bet and you know all, yeah. all the new phrases that I like you know it's just not part of who I am but a lot of young people get you know, shot down or something. I think there's so much value to have 100%. youth in your world because as you age for better and for worse, you learn certain habits or you pick up ways of surviving and getting through without breaking your own heart sometimes, you know, and the world tends to break your heart in many ways. Whenever I was younger, I was just chatting with a friend about this the other day. You know, I joined a startup, thought it was a great idea, and I was employee number three. And I had asked the owner at some point, I was like, well, what's the long-term plan? He's like, oh, I want to sell it and take a big fat paycheck, you know, in five years or something. And I was just so disappointed in that fact, because I wanted to take this idea and just go, go, go with it sort of thing. And the difference in, I think, our age was probably like 15 years. Mm. And having that like that desire to get in escape you know he had a different world he had a wife a child he didn't want to work until he was 65 to take his 401k you know retirement whatever he has you know social security and me i was like i had a low salary i had my whole life ahead of me out of college sort of thing and just having those different mindsets i think really reminds you like yeah, not everybody, for better and for worse, is in the same mindset as me. And I need to recognize that there is beauty and there is a place for that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think what you're saying about like having young people as in your life or, or frankly, having seniors in your life as well I think right. is really great. But I think this is the conclusion that I've come to. I think this is why people have kids like because the world you're right is so fucking harsh <laughs> and people are so wounded and they're constantly wounding each other and especially like especially if you're a straight dude living in the midwest living in the mountain states living in the deep south like there are very clear paths for your life right, right? and once you're born you are grooved into that path and if you are I don't want to say lucky enough because that's not it. But if you happen to be like straight and if you happen to fit all of these little constructs, the groove just gets deeper and deeper and deeper right. and deeper. By the time you're 25, like you've done your life, your life in that context is over. You now need to start. And, and I feel like that's a very constrained feeling. Like if I had to feel like that at 25, I'd be like, oh, shit. You have to take on the responsibility and then you start having kids so that you can continue to live life and that you can continue to see it afresh through their eyes. And I think in a lot of ways, it's it's beautiful. And in a lot of other ways, it's like, you know, I get so, I get so exhausted being like a homosexual. <laughs> like where we are the most brilliant, the most amazing, the most creative, the most illuminated people in the world and all we can think to do is go to a bar and get shit faced right <laughs> right right what are you doing like we have forgotten what it is like to be a kid and be like and see the joy in everything what do you want to do i don't know there's a puddle go jump let's in it that, yeah <laughs> let's go jump in it you know there's a million things that we could be doing and, and and especially with our minds that are so full of creativity and so full of vibrancy. And I think as adults, we really get in these, these ruts and some of it is comfort. Like we're comfortable 
going to this dark club where we feel safe and putting substances in our body that help us forget the pain, right? right? That's what it is instead of something else. So anyways, I'm just agreeing with you wholeheartedly. And as I say this, a guy is walking his kid and the kid has a giant gun that shoots bubbles. And so <laughs> I he love is that. just running around the neighborhood with a giant bubble shooting gun and his dog. And there is nothing in the world that looks more joyful than that to me. Right. And there's nothing stopping us from still doing that right now. Not a damn thing. Right. Have you seen the like TikToks and other videos that are like older people trying to remember how to skip? <laughs> I skip all the time. No, but <laughs> you, no, this is the funny thing. I learned this, I don't know, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't know why I skipped for some reason. And you cannot not smile and laugh when you're skipping. It exactly. is impossible. And so whenever, when if I was like walking somewhere, like even still to this day, if I'm like walking somewhere and I'm like a little bored and I'm like maybe starting to get like a little moody or whatever, I just start skipping. And you're, I mean, you're <laughs> like, fly, you're like, fly, fly. And you like start smiling, you start laughing. There is something, I don't know what it is, but somebody should do a study about skipping because it is some kind of magical thing in this world. I don't even understand it. But no, I haven't seen those and I would like to see it. And I'm 100% down for whatever they have to tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's great. It's funny because, I don't know, I've seen two that really stand out. One is this just older man whose family is, like, busting up laughing as he's doing it. But there's this really beautiful, like, CCTV one where this man is walking past this younger girl. And this girl is skipping. She's skipping. And as soon as she gets past him, mm. he starts skipping, you know? And it's like, there's so much in the world. Behind that... her or in the opposite direction? They're crossing each other. Oh, okay. She doesn't see him skipping, but it's just that it's that reminder, like that youthfulness and that joy of childhood and creativity of it that I was talking about. Yeah. Sometimes the world breaks your heart and people just yeah. give that up. To go back to what you said, which is you don't have to please everybody. There's a lot of people who use that phrase, right? Grow up and act your yeah. age and things to that effect. And I have been perpetually the sort of person who I like to have fun and I like to take the seriousness out of things. And in some ways, I think maybe it's hindered my career and like advancement in some ways. But at the same time, I think that like that vulnerability mm. and that realness people are attracted to and I for a long time would beat myself up because I was just like you, a silly guy who walked through this world and just made jokes and had fun and danced and tried to like get other people in on that, in that bubble shooting gun, you know, out there chasing <laughs> the dog sort of moment. And people can be so rigid and defined. And like you said, there are people in this world, by the time they're in their mid twenties, they've accomplished everything that they think they need to accomplish because it's defined in the movies. It's defined in the people that surround them. And then they just get into this divot or rut and the meaning of life, you know, the hierarchy of needs. They've met everything. Mm, yeah. 
And then they just don't know what the meaning of life is. And so now we're even going through the quarter life crisis. It's not just a midlife crisis anymore. Because there's yeah. all this opportunity to see what you're missing out on. Oh, my God. And I mean, social media really is the worst because, you know, regardless of there's never a time in my life where I'm sadder than when I'm on social media. <laughs> Look, my life is unbelievable. My job is unbelievable. My place is unbelievable. I live in a gorgeous place. My husband's great. It's like blah, 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 blah. When I hop on social media, I'm like, oh, but I don't have that. Right. Oh, but I don't have that. Like, it's like, what's to say? Comparison is the thief of joy. And it mm-hmm. is 100%. And I think I, you know, I'm of the mind where the only thing that matters really is joy, is happiness. That's the only quality in our life that's completely intrinsic to us. It's not like, I want this, this car. Okay, why do you want this car? Because it'll make me feel good. And why will it make you feel good? Because it'll make me feel powerful. And what will make people powerful make you feel? Happiness. Okay, well, so it's just happiness. Like, it's always happiness. It's always joy if you break down any need or want. And so I guess my goal in life is always to to cut out the middleman. To be like, okay, I don't have that car or whatever physical thing it is that I might want. I don't actually want cars. I don't give a shit. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. It's like, what is it around me in this moment right now that can get me to the ultimate goal, which is joy. And I think if we look in that, if we perceive so much of getting that is getting off your fucking phone. And so much of getting that is looking around you and being in the moment that we're in. And so that's what I try to do is sometimes successfully, sometimes not, you know? Yeah, there's a lot to what you said about the comparison as a thief of joy, because I think sometimes comparing yourself to yourself is necessary to remember where, like, we chatted a little bit before we started recording about how busy you were. And I get into a lot of that as well. And I get so busy and I just get into the hustle, you know, and it's like, I need to get the next bigger, better thing so I could be happy searching for that happiness and not realizing sometimes like being content with where you are at this moment and realizing the person that you were five years ago or wherever, wherever there was a time where maybe you were wishing you were the person you are today. It's like, if you pause and you reflect on that fact that, wow, I am where I wanted to be. It's so easy to just like, I don't know, just feel this sense of the world slows down and you can pause and you can be in that moment and you can feel that happiness and realize like, even though I have all these goals for the future, if I were to just stay in this exact moment, the past version of me could be so happy with where I am now. And that just, Mm. it's like so comforting. Yeah, that's such an interesting thought. Like considering the past version of you. I love that. I mean, would like if you went back to yourself when you released your first album and I can't you wanted to tour, right? And do all the things you're doing now. Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. I you know, I think for me the thing that's the most telling about it is my first music video was this video called Till the End. Actually, my second music video. My first music video that anybody cared about <laughs> was called Something Ad. I released it and it got a ton of, ton of press, which even the words in which I'm using to describe it, you know, and I remember just thinking I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 
I think a couple of days afterwards for some gig and just like, you know, and, and back in the day, this is 2008. So you're talking about like Toll Road and Joe, my God. And, and they were like picking it up. It was like even pre like Huffington Post career voices and stuff like that. Like there were like blogs, like these small time blogs were really the thing that were driving the queer voice. And they were all picking it up and it was just so successful. And it's funny because I always think of that as being like the happiest because I was like, oh my God, this thing that I made, people are seeing. It was my first real taste of that. And so for me, it's like the benchmark of accomplishment. And I remember, I don't remember what I was releasing, something else. And I was feeling like it wasn't going well. I wish it could just go as well as till the end, right? And then I went back and, and I was like, whoa, check yourself, Tom. What did that actually do? Like, what did that actually do? And I went back and I looked at the numbers and it was like, I don't know, a couple thousand views. <laughs> like, it was like nothing. I was like, if, if anything that I did in my life got the numbers that that got, I would consider it an absolute failure, an <laughs> absolute failure. But context is different, right? In that context, it was the most success I could have ever seen in the history of my career. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The interesting part is I don't think that my past self would recognize me and, and I'm not sure that I would recognize my past self. Like, I think we would respect each other and I think we would <laughs> acknowledge what we're doing is, is cool. But I think like change happens so fast and it also happens incrementally, right? It's like when you have a kid, you don't, they're born and then they're 10. You're like, how did that happen? Because you <laughs> saw them every single day. You know what I mean? But if, if I, I'm like their long lost uncle who never talks to them, I see them at born and then I see them at 10. I'm like, oh, shit, you changed. You know, it's like it's just kind of like that. So I have so oh, my heart like explodes with warmth and comfort and love for my younger self in all of the trauma that they are going to endure. And I want to do everything I can to heal that person. And my heart explodes with pride for the person that I am today, who always has and always will endure regardless of the situation put in front of them. It goes back to the, like, the fact that the person you were in the past is so different than who you are now. And as I said, you know, that person wouldn't hear things through the same lens as you would hear now. However, you wouldn't get to where you are today without all of those overcomings and figuring out along the way how to unravel those little traumas that one of my last guests, Rakim Sabri, he, I didn't even know this was a thing, but a financial trauma, like he focuses on the world of financial trauma. Oh, cool. And a, a lot of it is tied to if you grew up in a household and maybe there was a food insecurity or the lights went out or evictions or whatever it might be like that. A lot of what we go through, we have to unravel and unpack slowly, incrementally, mm. piece by piece. And so last year I went on a road trip and a lot of people asked me, what was my goal behind doing? Was I going to live in one of the cities? Was I like going to check out the places? You know, I had planned to come back in, to Los Angeles where I was living before the road trip. 
at the end of the year in November or December. And one of the things about traveling and doing that is I was getting my worldview changed so much. And I know mm -hmm. you've traveled a lot around yeah. the world. I mean, you had a whole album that was cities around the world, you know, mm -hmm. that, and places you had gone to. And something I've taken from that is to not hold yourself accountable to what you feel like you need to accomplish today. Like if I've started prefacing whenever people ask me what I want to do next with, well, I say this in a lot of episodes, but I don't know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow, let alone what I'm doing in six months. So now I start to preface whenever someone asks me, oh, like, what's your next plan with, you know, your real estate journey or whatever. And I preface it and say, well, right now I'm feeling like I want to do X. And so I sort of want to ask you, like, what is something that you want to do now that maybe I want to be happy? That's honestly it for me. Like, I don't know what that means. I know that making things makes me happy. I love creating things. I love playing soccer. I love being active. I love good food. To me, my, you know, I know this is a goal-oriented question, but to me, the ultimate goal is always happiness. I want people in my life that value me for who I am and whoever I am in, authentically in that moment. So my answer is a non-answer, but it is still my answer. I just right. want happiness. And what I think makes me happy has changed over the years. And there are some things that have been constant. Making things has been constant. Playing soccer has been constant. Skipping has been constant. <laughs> like, it's not even a joke. Like, right. seeing, stopping and petting every dog I see... <laughs> has been a constant joy in my life. And so these are the things that, uh, look, I'm fucking busy. I'm busy all the goddamn time. I never take a day off. But you know what? When I see that dog, I'm going to stop and pet that dog. Because if my ultimate goal is happiness, then these other things have to take a back seat to it, even if it's just for 30 seconds. And so my goal in life is to be really in that moment and really, really conscious and honest about the things that make me happy. Getting another 10,000 social media followers has not increased my happiness. Right. Period. End of story. It hasn't. Every time I think, oh, getting a million views on a music video, getting 5 million views on a music video has not increased my happiness. It's it giving you joy in the moment. It's made me sometimes feel a level of accomplishment but oftentimes made me feel like, well, why don't I have 10 million? <laughs> like, I'm not I even understand. kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Like, look, the stuff I have made in my life is amazing. And truthfully, I did so much of this stuff before anybody else. <laughs> like, that's just the realness of it. And so as an artist, as somebody who's been openly queer, and honest about their sexuality from the day one, and who is now old, who's now 42. <laughs> like, I can say, like, I don't feel like I got enough respect for that. And that's how I feel. Does it mean that I haven't gotten a lot of respect from people and I don't love the right. people that respect me and love me and all these kind of things? Yes, of course, all of those two things exist at the same time. But ultimately, it has provided just as much self-doubt and insecurity and sadness 
as it has accomplishment and joy because this business is a shit show. Like it's not like this business, whoever's listening to this and is not in the entertainment industry, let me tell you, you know how you have a job and you get better at your job every single year until you get promoted and you get more money? Well, it's the opposite of that. (laughs) You're in your job, you get better at your job every single year. As a result, you get demoted and less money. That's what it is because it's designed to take from you. And it's also designed to find the new youngest people that it can take advantage of. And once you cease to be someone that can take advantage of it, it ceases to have use for you. So yes, it has provided me with joy and accomplishment 100%. Petting a dog has never given me anything but joy. It has never made me feel worthless about myself. Playing soccer has always, I mean, sometimes I get in the fights on the field, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just like, ah, oh, I got to run around. Every time I walk by or ride my bike by kids playing on a soccer field, that's like, that's the only place I want to be. Yeah, I wish my body could do that every day. But it <laughs> So I have to cherish the moments when I can. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful because I get what you're saying. Like there's so much that is produced out there that tells us like you need the next biggest, better thing to be happy. Like you mentioned cars, but I think of like promotions and next opportunities for making more money. People think, oh, if I just have more money, I'll be happy. Honestly, Sometimes making more money gives you more anxiety because suddenly you have to, you have more responsibilities, you have more places that need to be managed. You know, I don't know. It's a huge navigational challenge for me in my life as well. It's an interesting thing. You know, I have this studio in Inglewood now, which I absolutely love, but it's not in my house. Right. And I spend some time, not a lot of time, but I would say like, you know, I have like the cameras, like the cameras that go off when you go in, blink cameras. And I, I check them. That's weird. I never did that when it was at my house. <laughs> and if you go to Beverly Hills, all those people have huge hedges and fences and all this kind of stuff. If you go to a poor neighborhood in the middle of America, there they will open their doors and feed you. They don't have money. They don't know who you are, but they will give you what they have. And sometimes the accumulation, and this goes back to what you're saying about life being hard and life breaking your heart, and I understand all that. But sometimes the accumulation of goods just makes you anxious for losing that those right. goods. <laughs> when you don't have the attachment to them. Exactly. It's like the attachment is the problem. Yeah. Until we get to the point where we're not attached to these goods in anything that you have, including money. Somebody needs it, you give it to them. Right. Like we're not designed to think that way because we live in this capitalist society. And but ultimately, like there's so much that can be learned, and there's so much that I think you and I are similar people, right? We like left our hometown. We have these ambitions. We're like trying to do these things in the world. And I can go back to my hometown and go to the local pub and see everybody I went to high school with, right? And I make fun of them, but I bet some of them are happy. Right, exactly. And I bet you some of them did not have to do the crazy shit that I had to do (laughs) to get to where I am now, right? They just were like, oh, I like this hometown. Oh, I like this girl in my high school. Oh, there's something really wonderful to be said about that. I think there's there's a place for all journeys. Place for all of it. That's not my dream. (laughs) Right, right. 
You know, something you said, I haven't even gotten to the second question and we have about 10 minutes left, but I want to say one more follow up and then I'll ask it because you're the only guest I think who would know this reference. I saw a Jackie beat Sherry Vine. I think it was like their 20th or 25th anniversary of doing drag together. And Mm -hmm. Sherry Vine had told this story about Jackie beat giving her something. And Jackie's response was, The reason I gave that to her, because it was something that I want. And the only things I think worth giving away are the things you actually want. So what you had Mm. said about, you know, like Mm. poor people giving stuff away where rich people accumulate and buy bigger houses to put all their stuff in. It makes me think of that. And like, I've tried to take that mindset and it's like, I really want this you know, for myself. So maybe I just give it away. Otherwise. Yeah. Because you know, because you know the value of it, you know, somebody else is going to value it. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. All right. So the second question, (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) No, 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 no. It was great. I wasn't going to stop it. The second question of the three primary questions, is there something, a book, a quote, a person, song, city, job, conversation, anything to that effect that has really impacted your life? Yeah, I'm just going to talk about the now. You know, there's obviously like there's a million answers to this question as an artist, you know, but I would say right now it's Emily King and it's been Emily King for like three years. She's this artist. She's a musician. She's unbelievable. My best friend and bandmate, Liz DeRoche, has been obsessed with her for like 10 years. And all I would do was make fun of her for being so obsessed with this person. And then sometime in 2020, actually, so it's been two years. In 2021, at some point in time, I was like, maybe I should just stop making fun of her. <laughs> she is. And she, I do respect everything that she does. Maybe I should actually listen to this person. And I was like, okay. And I like pressed play. And it was like three seconds later, I was like, Get it. Was like, <laughs> and I, for the first, I went to, I'd never seen her live. And I went to Chicago a couple of weeks ago. And I mean... God, it's just, he's just so empowered and so self-assured and so sexy and so confident. And I flew to Chicago to see this show and I just was like, it was like, I got the VIP tickets, you know, so it was like a a little pre-show thing. And I was just sitting there, you know, like, like a little kid seeing his idol. And that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. And she played this song, which I actually didn't know because it was like on a deluxe album, which, you know, if you put out a deluxe album, I'm probably not going to listen to it because I already listened to the album. And I'm just going to keep, (laughs) like I already have the track listing in my head. That's how it goes to me. You know what I mean? And there's this song in it called B-Y-I, B-Y-I-M-M. It must be, I don't know. But there's this, it's just so, it's, she's, that's a brilliant song, right? And she's talking about whenever I needed you, you were there for me. You were always nice to my friends. You took my mom out to dinner. You paid the tab. You did all these great. And then the turnaround on the chorus is, by you, I mean me. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I did all that shit for me. And it's not like I don't need people in my life. It's like, let's acknowledge the strength and the power where it comes from. And that is ultimately you, especially if you're an artist, right? Especially if you're in, look, this is obviously coming from a perspective of an artist. So so take it with a grain of salt, but you're this vulnerable creature. And this is the thing about artists that I just, I still, I'm an artist and I don't understand it. Like you're this vulnerable creature and you look at, the space, the space of nothingness. And then you create something. That's magic to me. Like, 
there was nothing, and then there was a song. There was nothing, and then there was a film. There was nothing, and then there was a piece of, of visual art. It's like, what? Do you understand that that didn't exist beforehand? And that the fact that that thing got created is pure magic. So anyways, I am. she has saved my life many times over the past couple of years. And I'm so grateful to her. And I'm learning so much through her all the time. And that song was like hearing it for the first time ever live. And her live show was just so good. I was just like, oh, girl, look that on repeat. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's question number two. If we did that one real quick. <laughs> well, I think to respond real quick, I think what I got out of the B-Y-I-M-M, I wrote down the acronym so we could get it right. <laughs> you were saying it. B, B, by you, I mean myself or me. Yeah, by you, I mean me makes me feel like the gist of that is that you need to be there for yourself. You need to, you know, like at the end of the day, the only person who's going to be there for you is yourself. Yes. Like always. Yeah. B-Y-I-M-M. I'm not a person that's like, I can do it on my own. I'm the best. Like, that's not me. Like, I always want to be with people. I always want to bring people in my life. I always want to be a part of other people's lives. But ultimately... Whoever we have in our life, and even if we have the best partner in the world and the best family in the world, we are alone. We were born alone, and we will die alone, and we and our existence is really here in yep. our heads, between, between your our eyes. two ears, <laughs> all our perspective that that lives in this brain, and that is a solitary, that is a solitary object. It's only one brain. It's literally confined to my head. So there are so many moments and i would say probably the vast majority of the moments even when you're with people that you are alone and so you need to really have a great understanding who you are what you are about what is important to you and how you want to exist in the world and a confidence around that and i think once you have that then the world feels better you don't feel like people are trying to fuck with you you don't feel like you don't need, you're not getting the respect because it doesn't matter. You don't need the respect. If you have self-confidence and you have self-respect, you don't need anybody else to validate that. You're just like, cool, you do you. If it's not vibing with me, I'm going to do me over here, right. you know? And nobody has to hate anybody. Nobody has to fight. We don't have to fight any wars. We don't have to like yell at each other, or, you know, throw sticks at each other. We're just, we're just all happy. I wish it was just throwing sticks at each other that was happening in the world nowadays. But <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a long one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what you said. It ties back into your initial thought. You can't please everybody sort of thing. So Exactly. All right. Final primary question is, what is something you're working on learning now? I would say, like, the answers to these questions are not different. I would say that what I'm learning on in this moment is like confidence without arrogance, self-respect, boundaries. I think the real key is the confidence without respect, the self-actualization. I think ego is, is pretty counterproductive. And so much of our feelings come from ego. And so much of our hurt comes from our ego. And 
especially in Los Angeles <laughs> and especially in the industry. And from my perspective, the majority of my dissatisfaction in my life, the majority of my sadness in my life, the majority of my pain in my life comes from ego. And I think ego comes from insecurity. And if I am confident without being arrogant, I think I've had, and I think this is a learned behavior. I think for me, I'm very passive, not the right word, but um, laid back about everything. Laissez faire. Yeah. Even <laughs> if it's not like what I actually want, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, whatever, I'll do that. Okay, cool. Whatever, I'll do that. Okay, cool. Whatever, I do that. And in doing that, and in not setting those boundaries, I start to feel insecure. Or I start to feel unseen or unheard. And then by the time I'm like, this doesn't work for me, then all of a sudden it's like aggression, right? And I think that aggression comes from a place of insecurity because I wasn't able to say like, hey, this is cool. I'll do this, but I really don't want to do it. Maybe next time we do this other thing. Or maybe next time I meet my own needs or I say, no, I won't do right. this. I'll meet my own needs instead. And so I think it's all kind of wrapped up in the same situation about just being confident enough to be myself, to meet my own needs, to allow other people to meet my needs when that fits, but not feel like that has to happen in that way. I think I've, I've been like, hey, I need this. And then the other person's like, cool, and walks away. You know what I mean? And instead of being like, and then you feel like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, and then instead of realizing like, I can just meet that need myself then that person who obviously doesn't want to meet my need can do whatever they want to do too. But yeah, I would say it's about self-confidence and shedding ego and having appropriate boundaries. That yeah. don't, but the establishment of the appropriate boundaries is not through aggression. That's what I didn't get to <laughs> when I just established the other thing. It's just through like conversation, I guess. Yeah, it makes me think, I've been reading the book, geez, I'm blank, Radical Candor, and mm. it's four quadrants, and the quadrant you want to be in is be radically candid, and give feedback in a way that is respectful, and some of the other quadrants. The first one that I thought of is, I fall into it a lot myself, is it's called ruinous empathy, and it's where you just don't want to cause a scene, don't want to like, mm. and... Sometimes you're just trying to be empathetic to make the other person happy. And at the end of the day, in the long term, especially if you continue to stack those moments on top of each other, then it ruins, you know, your relationship or whatever, because it's all boiling over and you're just putting a lid on yeah. top of that pot. Yeah. And the other is obnoxious aggression, which is, <laughs> I think, what you were talking about, where that lid pops off because you've been putting it on instead of addressing mm -hmm. that flame that's making the water boil. So Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you're right. Check it out. It's a great book. I've really been enjoying it, doing workshops at work. It's It's been really helpful. Yeah. Sounds cool. It's taken from a management standpoint in business, so not entirely tied into your industry, but still has good good takeaways. I manage my own business too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely do. You definitely you manage a lot of things. You met yeah. people. So, all right. Well, we are at time, but before we wrap up, you mentioned your album. For anybody oh, yeah. who wants to follow up with you and check you out, check out your music. Where can they reach out? And everything's Tom yeah. Goss music. So if you want to do my socials, it's all at Tom Goss music. It's T O M G O S S M U S I C. Same thing from our website, tomgossmusic.com. Search Tom Goss on any of your digital streaming platforms. And yeah, 
reach out, hit me up. I always love meeting awesome people. Yeah. And are you going on any tours anytime soon? Yeah. So I'm actually on July 7th, which is the day that record releases. I'll actually be in DC, which is my old stopping grounds for 10 years and, and really the place that made me who I am as an adult. Yeah. So I'll be in DC, New York, Provincetown. Those are the gigs that I have this summer, but I'll be adding uh, some West Coast stuff in August. And I'm really excited, really happy. Well, if you stop in Denver, I will definitely be there. So congrats Uh, on the new album, Tom. And I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Hope to see you soon as well. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and took a little bit out of it about maybe I should uh, skip a little bit more. (laughs) And really what I'm saying is I hope that you realize that happiness is not just attainable through financial success. Happiness is a beautiful, complicated journey and petting a dog on the street you know, as Tom said, can make you happy. I have my own dogs and seeing them and playing with them and watching them just play with each other brings me so much joy. And it's just so beautiful to have those moments. I like to pause right now as I'm thinking about it and just close my eyes. And it just brings such a big smile to my face. So thank you so much for tuning in. There's only two more episodes this season. So check us out the next couple of Mondays and feel free to go back and listen to the catalog. If you enjoyed this episode, you would definitely enjoy season one of this podcast. So go back. It was filmed or recorded in 2020 and it's got some amazing, beautiful stories with lots of queer people. So anyways, if you enjoyed this, please don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It will really help me out. And check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Contemporary. It's like contemporary, but more fun. Until next time, I'm your host, Tim Winfred. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Music for this podcast comes from filmmusic.io, Acid Trumpet by Kevin McLeod, incompetech.org. Licensed by creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0.